Hey, this is Neil from Royal Bliss. We have our new record, our new EP coming out. Five songs of pure bliss, June 3rd, worldwide. June 4th, at the Royal, the big party. Royal Bliss, Wayne Hoskins Band, Candy's River House, the School of Rock, after party with Berlin Breaks and Candlebox inside. Come party with us. Welcome, everybody. This is Sasha Bloom, All Ute Radio, in studio with me, Wayne Thompson Jr. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic, sir. Doing fantastic. And one of my favorite broadcast people in Utah, Phil Isom, camera guy to the world. Find his work at ESPN, Fox Sport 1, Utah Jazz. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be here. How are you? I'm fantastic, except my co-host couldn't get out of bed today. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, you know, it is Sunday. <laughs> oh, he's going to come back on you next week, man. Oh, goodness. I can't wait to hear that episode. So for all you Johnny McKeon fans, he's in bed right now. <laughs> well, let's get my wake-up call. We Sasha blew his phone up, apparently. He's just calling left and right. Leaving different messages. <laughs> They're probably very offensive, too. <laughs> Man, I'd be getting called by the FCC if I said half the things that probably came out on that phone right there. <laughs> well, I just have Johnny share them next week. Sure. But what yeah, you we'll, need is just uh, you just do a collection of uh, uh, clips from previous shows, and then you just punch it in every now and then when he doesn't show up, right? <laughs> Just nonsensical clips. Or just find a new co-host. You know? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'm surprised he's not using this time to just vent all of the frustration. That's <laughs> right. Are you scared that the emailers, that they're going to email, huh? I hope so. Bring it on. Radio <laughs> <laughs> at gmail.com. Let's go. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Come at me. So, Phil, you've been in media for a long time in this market. Yeah, I have. People not showing up to a job, is that something that you encounter a lot? Or? Well, here's here's the thing. Um, you, you you have this, when you first start, they give you a, a, a couple of different cards. Like, they give you a late card, they give you a my car broke down card, yeah. and they give you a sick card, and then they give you a oh, I forgot card. Mm. And the oh, I forgot card, that's the last card you want to use. You don't ever want to use that one. Yeah, so he okay. Well, that's the one he used. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you, I would have accepted. My dog barfed all over the house, and uh, yeah, my wife is not happy. And, yeah. But I, I see this theme a lot with millennials: is they don't show up to their job, they show up drunk, they show up unqualified to work or the hey, greatest one i see is hey that is man come well, on you're, you're describing the early days of my career <laughs> mine too <laughs> i'm describing Nothing my wrong career with millennials man come on <laughs> no man uh, the, we're, we're talking about this earlier and uh i've been doing some training uh, videos for uh, some companies and that's a real problem because uh, millennials saw that their parents worked really hard, and then the economy crashed. They lost their pension. They were unemployed. They'd lose their house. And the millennials basically said, you know what? Eh, I'm not going down like that. So uh, you got to treat millennials differently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah. I, no, I know a lot of people, too, you know, um, that I grew up with who didn't even go get their driver's license. Yeah. Right yeah. when they, Most people were like, oh, yeah, I want my driver's license. I'm 16, blah, blah, blah. No. Like, the... 
the appeal, I guess, I mean, a lot of people are just like, I don't want to take on all this other responsibility and this and this and yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's, it kind of goes along with what you're saying. It's like, there's a whole lot that we saw from the generations before that we're like... Oh, man. It was, we, were, we, we were never home. We were always working. In fact, uh, my wife, uh, Cherie, she, she was in TV. Uh, and uh, we used to actually uh, get out our day planners and schedule dates when we were married because we were both working so much. And, uh, you know, that doesn't happen like it used to. You know, you, you would just stay at the station. She was in sales, and I was in production. So we were always gone. We would have to schedule dinners together or <laughs> schedule when to meet to go grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say that working in media kills families, that you actually marry the media outlet you work for. Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, you, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of my friends uh, did get divorced or they had marital problems because of that because you know I, my family still doesn't understand half of what I do especially with my mom she uh she says well you know you've been working in the media a long time don't you get holidays and nights off now mm. it's like uh nope. no <laughs> those don't exist <laughs> yep <laughs> that's the truth man and Sasha knows most, I have no social life except for here that's why he's like my jester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he comes in. I'm like, oh, finally, someone's going to talk to me right now. Yay. No, holidays are the biggest time for media outlets because everyone's not working. So they're all watching TV or listening that, to the radio. They yeah. sell more advertising. Well, that's, or, what, that's what I tell my mom. I said, uh, have you ever sat down on Christmas Day and turned on the TV and nothing came up but color bars? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. There's a lot of people working. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we do. We work on birthdays, holidays, nights, weekends, and we have no friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very, it's very true. Unless I mean, your your family really becomes the people you work with. Yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. people you work with really become your family. You know? Absolutely, it's like marrying a cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Yeah. Well, yeah, shoot too. people at the camera. Oh uh, yeah, we're gonna shoot you right here. Yes. See, that's yes. the opposite. Everybody wants to be on camera, but nobody wants to be in the sights of a. 45. I've been in the sights of a 45. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On a camera set. <laughs> yeah, you did. Wow, you working you on the field of the Utes game. No. Okay, so it was a women's volleyball game at the Huntsman Center at the University of Utah. And we're doing the stand-up for the open of the show, yeah. which for those of you who don't know, it's when your on-air talent has their microphones and they're like, welcome to the Huntsman Center. We're here in Salt Lake City and we got a fantastic game for you. Go to commercial. And there was a robbery at U.S. Bank, and the assailant took his vehicle to the University of Utah. Okay, let me and, let me guess. And he looked just like you. And so <laughs> the description was: You look like a thug, man. The, the description was: black pants, black shirt, black hat, goatee. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. That 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 pretty much narrows it down to just you, just me, Jay, and Silent Bob. <laughs> That, that that just describes everybody on campus, right? Yeah. <laughs> or at least on the TV crew. And so in the headsets, the producer goes, the building's on lockdown. There's been a shooting on campus. So oh, we're man. in a totally different realm in this copycat world of school shootings. You know, yeah, I was yeah. thinking the worst. And then they, I don't know, something about... I'm not. My back is turned from the tunnel, and there's five cops behind me, 
And apparently they all have their hands on either a taser or on their piece. And well, some of them don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just had to throw that in. Hey, that's, uh, that's true, man. And what it caused I'm a sorry, lot. my bad. <laughs> that would have saved a lot of problems downtown by the gateway earlier. Jeez. <laughs> oh, and so the game ends, and my unit manager comes racing down the tunnel right to me. And he goes, Sasha, are you okay? And I'm thinking I screwed up in my job. I go, yeah, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. He goes, oh, my God, we thought we, you were going to get killed. What? And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, oh, the police were ready to take you out right now, and we had to convince them that you were not the assailant. Oh, my god! During the middle man. of the game. Yeah. That's great police work. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, I've only done 500 games Gosh. there. Like, you know, you hear this all the time, though. Guys go rob a bank. And then they go and join a TV crew <laughs> and do a broadcast. That's that why he's constantly. <laughs> Hell of a skill set. Maybe you should <laughs> be an anchor, man. Come on. <laughs> he's like, they'll never make me an anchor looking like this. Never. <laughs> never. It's okay. You, I, I see your ethic. You've got a very hard work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see you taking down banks and stuff, though. I don't know. Uh, no meth problem here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't live in South Salt Lake? Come on, man. Man, he still has all of his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. <laughs> so how did you get involved in the world of sport production? Because I think you were saying earlier you were in a newsroom. Well, you know, um, I originally did not uh, go to school to get into uh, broadcasting. Uh, I thought I was going to go into the sciences, mm -hmm. and of course, uh, certain subject matters kick my ass. And so, I uh, my my sister and her husband worked at ABC in Hollywood, and I went out for a visit. And uh, my brother-in-law took me onto the set, some of the sets of uh, the, the the shows that he was doing, and I thought, wow, this is a cool place, right? And so I came back, changed my major. To journalism and uh, you know mass communications, got out and went to work for KSL. Started out at the studio crew, and I was my first job was Mr. Microphone on Romper Room. <laughs> and wow! The only instruction they said is don't hit Miss Julie in the head. Oh my God! <laughs> but keep it close. Oh God. <laughs> So you were holding like a gaff pole? No, and no it was it was a big it was this big boom. You know, it looks, yeah. it looks like it it was about the size of a, a camera jib. Okay, and it had a base, and you'd you'd have to move it around because they were moving all around the set, right? And she would sit down, you know, at the little kids' table, then pop up and go and do some other activity. So you're always trying to avoid hitting her in the head, <laughs> and apparently it happened enough that that was <laughs> one of the instructions. That they gave everybody. Like, it has that feather duster looking thing on it, right? That's, it, it saves some of the cushion. Like, it, it couldn't hurt too bad, right? No, no. It, it had a little smiley face on the microphone for the kids, but that was it. Now look at the mic. That sounds like a stressful job. No, it wasn't. No. And it wasn't. You, actually, the, the second job you got at that time, you did that. They didn't put you on camera because they didn't trust you. Then they, they trained you on teleprompter for a couple weeks. And teleprompter was really archaic. You had printed scripts, and you have to tape them together. And then 
put them on this roller table, and there was a camera pointing down at the script, and <laughs> you would read along with the talent, and then there would be, you know, a monitor hung below the, the uh, camera lens, and if there was a change in the program, you had to untape all that stuff while you were still reading and roll the scripts, and it, it was just, it was mind-numbing to do any of that. And so if you moved the paper a little too far ahead, if, if, then you... Oh, yeah. They, they would throw stuff at you during oh, the breaks. They would say, keep up with me. <laughs> wow. Have, Did you ever work with it? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> Did you ever work with anyone who was really like a diva? Like, oh, my gosh, that's too slow. You're moving the paper too slow. Come Most on. of them are divas. <laughs> All of them are divas. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, not, that's not fair. No, most of them are pretty nice people. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a time when everybody was making money, right? They yeah. had everything at the... That, that facility except for a printing press to, to print the actual money because wow. there was money in advertising. You, you could sell, you know, a picture of a brick and it would make money. I mean, it, 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 was, it, was, it was awesome. And then somewhere in the early 80s, things started to go uh, really bad. So we moved over to Triad. We had three studios and then the economy failed. And so it ended up there was layoffs and all kinds of stuff. But what was really happening is that cable was in the market. Cable came oh, to the market. Yeah. And uh, what, what the, the, the powers that be couldn't understand is why anybody would pay for a program when they could get it for free over the air. Yeah. Now, me and my roommates, we were seeing MTV and all that stuff for the first time. It's like, are you crazy? Of course you're going to pay for this. Yeah. You're going to yeah. pay for cable. And so that, that really bit into the uh, advertising dollars. And um, after two layoffs, the general manager uh, took us into the main studio and he said, well, I think we've turned the corner. Uh, this cable anomaly is not going to stay around for very much longer. And I, I looked at my roommate and I said, we're screwed. <laughs> he, he, he absolutely does not get it. Yeah. So that was the beginning of the end. Do you think local television and national television, insofar as news, should be selling advertising? You know, um, w there was a threshold that was crossed, um, you know, quite a while ago, where uh, there was a there was always a separation between the advertisers and the news in terms of editorial content. Although people did violate that on occasion, but it became more and more apparent that that model wasn't working. And so there was a point early on in TV where, you know, you had shows sponsored by, I don't know, Geritol. <laughs> 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 you've, seen, you've seen those old shows, right? Yes, <laughs> so th that was okay, but you didn't have, like, product placement on a news set because you were supposed to be independent. Yeah. But now that those lines have been blurred a lot. And uh, I, I think that we've we were now have gone from being independent to we've got to make money. Yeah. Any by any means necessary. Yeah. Screw, we gotta make money. screw payola. Let's <laughs> let's endorse it. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, the the downfall started in radio, AM radio to be exact. FM was coming on strong, had a better signal, all that kind of stuff, right? So they, they decided, well, we're just going to do big band uh, music on uh, AM radio. 
which was a total bust. Right? Because nobody wants to. Li- nobody was listening to that. No. <laughs> Lawrence Welk was you know already dead. <laughs> no one watches the band at halftime. Well, and then there was a stint, from what I've been told, of stereo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On on AM. And I'm yeah, like, they How tried does that. This they, tr- they tried everything to resurrect an old technology that was just dying. You know, it, I, I use this metaphor when I talk about media is that we're all dinosaurs grazing along the edge of the La Brea tar pits. <laughs> and, and every now and then, you know, every now and then we look up and we see some, you know, one of our pals sinking into the, the tar, but we keep grazing. Oh, <laughs> you gosh. Know? That's a good way to put it. That's a good analogy. So, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's changed, and you know the the thing is, is that when uh, internet the internet started taking off, people never dreamed that that would democratize the media the way it has. And the good thing about that is that when you democratize the media, anybody can jump in, right? Mm. That's a good thing because you have variety and you have lots of different voices that uh, weren't heard before, and some of them are crazy. Some of, them are, <laughs> some of them are interesting, but, you know, it's a good thing when people have a voice. But the bad thing is the pie keeps getting cut thinner and thinner, yeah. and it's harder and harder to make, make money doing, uh, doing media. So you got to change. It's kind of sad. That you let, yeah, you really do see that. I mean, it's, it's continual competition. Yeah. You're saying, and reinventing yourself. And like like they said about the what was that song the video killed the radio star yeah yeah absolutely like that kind of that's thing that's true right there. man that's absolutely true like that was like the heyday i guess for dj's yeah uh, you were really like a big big deal yeah yeah absolutely the the, the dj's when hip hop came out they were the stars and then the rappers became the stars and the dj was just kind of back there scratching you know it's, just, <laughs> it's like man this used to be my gig <laughs> Like Jazzy Jeff's like, come on, Will Smith, what? What? But if you're paying Howard Stern's and Rush Limbaugh's $100 million a year, and Katie Couric's getting $6 million a year, and Stephanopoulos is getting $10 million a year, aren't the priorities of entertainment kind of backwards where <laughs> we're paying people too much money? Yeah, and that's that's where I think the, the disconnect has really happened. Uh you know, for the amount of money that you pay, say, uh, TV anchors, and any TV anchor or news producer that hears this is going to want to kill me, but we've been doing, we've been presenting news in particular the same way we've always done it, okay? We got that model from radio, um, and it continued through uh, to, to today, and if you look at the the, the salaries of uh, anchor, news anchors, if you took that money and reinvested it into uh, multiple news bureaus and put more reporters on the streets, just think of how much better your news gathering would become. Yeah. Because when I, I consume my news on the Internet mostly now, and I don't go to sites looking for a news anchor to, to read the story to me. I go looking for the story. Sure. Right? Yeah. I, I'm, I, I like a well-written, well-crafted story, and there's nothing wrong with going from, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with going from story to story with the field reporter introducing a story and moving on. Mm. Because mm. we've never tried it. Well, there's been a, a few stations that have actually done exactly what I've described, 
and nobody's missed the anchors. You see it on Vice TV wow. a little bit. You know, they don't really have yeah. they have a narrator who's the owner. Vice, but... Vice TV is one of the best examples of that. Yeah. One of the weird things I see along this topic is with Fox Sport and Fox TV, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars on equipment. Yes. You never go to a truck that has outdated cameras, bad lenses, bad cable. But a lot of these other outlets have horrible outdated equipment, yeah. and they refuse to put any of their profit into their product. I don't understand how these companies are competing when you have all these young 20, 30, 40-year-old people with red cameras and the latest equipment in the world, and you have modern companies in this valley that you can't hook a red camera into their studio because they can't read it. Well, well, here, here's the thing. I, I, I used to, um, back when I worked at uh, KSL, um, I actually managed a mobile truck. Yeah. We had a, a truck called... Uh, uh, a company called Third Avenue Productions. And it was kind of the, there'd always been mobile television trucks. And for those who don't know what those are, it's basically a, a moving studio in a semi. And um, most sporting events are, are shot or produced uh, using those facilities. And in those early days, uh, sports production was really simple. In fact, the NBA was doing three camera basketball at one point. Wow. There was three cameras, okay? So you had wow. the game camera that was the wide shot of the game and it would follow the action. And then they had a one a, another camera right next to it that had a close up shots of uh, the defender and uh, the offensive player. And then you had one handheld. And if you're broadcasting for the home team, you would always put the handheld camera underneath the basket of the basket where the home team was shooting free throws. Yeah. And that was the extent of NBA uh, production. And over time, it morphed into these seven to I, the biggest show we've done. Uh, I think there was like 29 cameras yeah. on a basketball court, which I think is a lot. And then you get a oh, jerk director yeah, that can't stay on one freaking camera. Cut one, cut two, cut three, cut four. And by the end of it, you got a migraine watching this goddamn production. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. drives yeah. me nuts. It's um well, you know, it, it, some people would probably benefit from Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> or confidence so they won't be fired. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'll still retain my job after after today, hopefully, right? Well, no, so, some, so sometimes I, I've been on those shows where cutting from, from camera to camera to camera is destroying the storyline. Yes. Sometimes you just have to let the game breathe, yeah. right? And I think we overproduce uh, some of our, uh, some of the shows I see, um, I'm not saying that any of the shows I've worked on are overproduced. I think they're perfect, and the people that are hiring me <laughs> are doing an excellent job. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering how soon it's going to be until you get an overhead camera like they do in the NFL games and stuff at NBA games or something like well, that. Can no, you we, imagine? No, no, we did have that. We, the ones that fly then. Yeah, we right? had uh, during the NBA Finals, uh, when the, the Jazz were in the NBA Finals, they bought in a Skycam. And they did fly it over. The problem was nobody talked to each other 
And of course, it's the Utah Jazz. We use lots of confetti. <laughs> so we had this. Right. We had this great idea that we're gonna blow off confetti as we introduce the team and the sky cams hanging there and there's you know there's cables cables go to four corners and then they you know the camera goes all around right and so uh they introduce the jazz the confetti comes out and all the confetti lands right on the cable right in front (laughs) of the up cameras and it's in the way and they it took them a, a while to get all the confetti off oh, man. <laughs> it, it was a, it was an epic fail <laughs> oh gosh but yeah they, they we've used uh, sky cams at uh, basketball games wow so it's it's not a common common it, it's thing, not though. common no no okay. there, there's other there's there's other ways to do it I think that eventually um, I, and I I tell this to my colleagues they don't believe me they think I'm crazy but eventually what you'll have is you'll have cameras that let's say you have an 8K sensor camera, which means you can see the pores in the skin of the guy across the arena. <laughs> Don't give that to Sasha, man. <laughs> so, I see him at gymnastic games. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> and I know where you're going with that. <laughs> Lawyer up, man. Oh, man, come on. Oh, the truth hurts, huh? <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> so you put, you you put, you know, like three of those uh, high resolution cameras across the way. We actually experimented with this uh, a little bit of this uh, in the Pac-12 a couple years ago, where we had a 4K camera, and they had the playback, the the video went into the playback machine. Uh, the playback operator framed the the shot on the fly. And then they spit out a replay. And because it's 4K, they could zoom into a tight shot without losing any resolution. So I imagine a day when you're going to have an array of cameras strategically placed in the arena. And that'll be fed into a machine. But instead of an operator operating machine, it's going to be a computer using facial recognition, oh, and wow. it, it'll follow the, the, the formation of the team on, on the court, and it'll identify each player by face and know where that person is at all times in the studio or in the, in the arena. And wow. any shot you want, you have. By, you know, it's, we, we were already seeing stuff like that happen in, in casinos where they have facial recognition software, right? Yeah. And once, once they see your face when you walk in the door, those cameras know exactly where you are. So we were already using that technology. Wow. So that's, that's my prediction. But then that means job loss, though. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, so if anybody's in college and there's a, a kid working in a physics lab and he's talking about this and you're, in, you're trying to get your media degree... Make sure you uh, kill him in your in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you can stop this. <laughs> it's like you're ruining your future, man. I I figured this out after I got my degree. I'm like, oh my gosh, voice tracking. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I mean, it can be nice, but it, it's like they can get anyone sad. from any market to, to do the show. You know, is there a career for a 30 year old man, woman, or other like a 25 year old? career in television for them you know what I, I think there's still a lot a lot of opportunity but it requires that you rethink the way uh that you were taught that there's something in our dna we are we gravitate towards well crafted stories 
we will never ever get away from that. Why? Because we're mammals. Mm. Because you think about us as a species. We, we keep our offspring with us to teach them, and we usually teach through stories. We, that, that's in our DNA. We've been, we've been telling stories since cave paintings on the walls, you know, <laughs> you know the, the yeah. big hunt and all that stuff. And, and we've always used stories to teach each other and to entertain each other. So storytelling won't go away. It'll just morph into a different platform. And for those who can see that coming down the road, there's plenty of opportunity. But if you want to keep doing the same thing over and over again, because that's the way you've always done it, I think you're a dead man walking. Mm. Wow. Continual, like, evolution of things. Yeah. you got to just evolve. Yeah, yeah. We, we, well, we, we are evolving. <laughs> wow. So you love a good story. Mm-hmm. Why are you not working at a PBS or on documentaries? Why sport? I, I do I do do that. You do do that. Yeah, I've um, I've worked for all the uh, news networks, major news networks, um, and I also have uh, shot documentaries for uh, University of Utah, and worked on, you know, as a freelancer, you work on you do a lot of different stuff, and. Um, I have friends that we, uh, you know, every now and then we'll get together and, and do a project together. Uh, there's always an interesting story. We we did a, uh, a rodeo um, a few years back and tried to sell it, and it was, a, it was kind of a bust. But uh, one of the stories we told was about a young woman who uh, had gotten a car accident. She was a world champion uh, barrel racer. She was paralyzed from the waist down. Mm. And... Um, she is now back in competition. In fact, NBC uh, picked up her story. I saw them interview her and do a story on her a couple uh, weeks ago. So there's always stories like that, aspirational stories. I've, I've uh, produced stories for the uh, VA educational system. We usually, in order to train people, we use stories of soldiers to uh, breathe life to what would be an otherwise boring instructional video (laughs) 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 because (laughs) and uh you know it's it's one of those things that if you tell a good story you're going to keep people coming back if you don't then yeah they'll find something else to do (laughs) (laughs) like that was that was fantastic thanks like well no like nothing to knock UEN, but that's what I feel. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I feel when I'm flipping through the channels and I'm like, who's watching this? Well, like, it depends what's... on what you're into, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, it's free college, I guess. Maybe yeah. you want to learn how to do some kind of mathematical equation. Then... No, you don't want, oh, yeah, you don't want, I mean, and that's, you know, the, the, there is a revolution in education too, where, um, you know, these big institutions that have always been there are now putting all of their knowledge base online for free. You could see any lecture you want, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to, but you're not going to get credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to learn about physics and learn what a PhD in physics does, just read yeah, <laughs> or, watch, or watch this really dry video. I, I started out in instructional video up at the university, and I thought, after the first week of working, I thought I had made the biggest mistake of my life because what we were doing was it was a dark studio with a projector of some slides and a professor 
droning over the top of it, giving a lecture. Nice. And, and to And you had to take this camera and zoom in real slow and zoom back up. And it was eight hours a day for two weeks straight, and I, I was going to kill myself. <laughs> I just wasted four years of my life. <laughs> Like, I'm punishing myself. Why? <laughs> I just had an experience like that this past weekend where I found myself in a TV environment I was very uncomfortable with of because of the content that I was helping create. Yeah. Uh, what do you do when you find yourself as a professional broadcaster creating content you... You know, that's a hard one because uh, as journalists, we're supposed to be neutral mm. and we're supposed to cover the story and let the story unfold and tell itself, Right. We're not supposed to interject uh, editorial comment uh, when you're telling a story. But if you're an op-ed uh, show like anything on Fox or MSNBC, that's where you tell your opinions, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're shooting a documentary, as horrific as things can be, sometimes you just have to stay with the story. But there are lines that people cross. Mm. And... Uh, at that point, you have to say, I don't need this job and walk off. And I've, I've certainly have walked off uh, shoots before. So. so what happens when the rest of your team walks off and you're the only one there? Because uh, <laughs> everyone else you know, walked you off. Know, there, was, there was these <laughs> red flags, uh, warnings yeah. being raised, and you just chose to ignore them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that says something about the guy left standing. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's no. almost like that. Uh, the, what was it in Alaska or something? There was that. There, she had to do a story about marijuana, uh -huh. and this went viral. And she, oh, on, the news anchor, yeah, yeah, she said, "F it." Yeah, I, quit. I saw that. Yeah, I know exactly. On live television, yes. and apparently they said it's because she owned something to do with with she, weed. Yes. And she knew her, her her job was. I mean, she was having a conflict right yep. there. She knew she was just done. Yep. She dropped the mic and. And they went just on did to make a, millions of dollars selling weed. No, they did a <laughs> yeah. they did a follow up on her, and her company went bankrupt, and she's unemployed now. Are you? And now she can't get a job in broadcast again. Not after, in that market. Yeah, oh, probably yeah. not anywhere. Yeah, I mean, after it went viral like that, I mean, they, they see her as a liability. Like we we don't absolutely. know if they're gonna snap. Yeah, absolutely. Snapping on in any market like well, that. Pe people snap all the time on the air, and they do stupid stuff. Uh, you know the the one thing that we. I like to say in broadcasting is usually nobody dies if a mistake is made, right. but you would swear that if, when somebody makes a mistake, uh, the director's daughter was just stabbed in the chest by you. Just, <laughs> <laughs> in That's front of how you. angry. Yeah, that, yeah. Wow, man. So sometimes, and you know, the people don't get the, the, the good directors and producers don't scream at people. Yeah. They, they don't have to because yeah. they're, they're, People want to work for them, right? But the really bad guys, they scream, y'all. And, and that's not going to make the situation any better, really. I, they, I, a lot of people know what went wrong. I have never in my life been screamed at and thought, oh, I'm getting screamed at, so I'm going to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just makes you have this pent up, like, oh, really? In fact, okay. on, on, on union crews, sometimes uh, if you start doing that, people drop all their equipment, and it comes to grinding halt. Really? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and but you can be passive aggressive too. Yeah. So when somebody's screaming at you, uh, you say, "Well, if you don't like this speed, 
you're really going to hate the next. <laughs> <laughs> because ultimately you're in control, but you, you, you don't want to mess up somebody's broadcast. You, most people will take the screaming and be as professional as they can. But you do have a right to walk off of a, a show if you're being abused. There, I, I, I strongly believe that. There's a producer that comes to this market a lot. And he's a screamer and a yeller. And, you know, if you're on headset, does anyone know how to do their effing job and this and type of that? Why is that allowed? Those, those, those people, here's why it, it's allowed to exist. Because nobody says anything. And because good people, people who want to be professional, are just trying to do their job. And so they, th they think, you know, this will be over in half an hour, an hour or two. I can, I can weather the storm, and then you hope you're not the first guy to get yelled at. Because usually guys like that will fixate on the first guy that makes a mistake. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it, it, it's like you, you've seen those, uh, the, the, the National Geographic film where the, the wildebeest cross the, uh, the river, but the crocs are waiting. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? that's true, yeah. Right? And they're all kind of timid. And yeah. as soon as that first wildebeest gets taken down, then they all run across. Yeah, they're like, well, they're distracted. Let's, uh, let's, yeah, go, let's exactly. go, let's go, let's <laughs> go. Wow. So that's a mentality sometimes. So if you have a camera operator who's a friend and colleague of yours and you've been working for 15 years, and you're on headset, and you just hear him get screamed at for two hours. Do you call him up, or do you just pretend it never happened? You, you know, I had a situation years ago where a friend of mine, um, he, he had a horrible week. He was going through a divorce. His mother just died. And unbeknownst to us, he was developing MS. And so we were doing, we were shooting a broadcast, and he was screwing up. And he was basically stumbling as he was shooting. And I was next to him on the platform and said, you know, what's up, man? You okay over there? And, and he said, uh, I, these, these shoes are just getting in my way. He took off his shoes and, um, you know, so he was, getting, he was getting reamed out. So we got together on Super Bowl Sunday and uh, came over. He had a couple beers at halftime. We went over to shoot some pool at the clubhouse. And on the way back, he fell face first onto the pavement without any and there was nothing that he tripped on and i thought have you are you on drugs or did you have is there something we need to share uh, <laughs> and he goes no i don't know what's wrong with me and i i what we he had he didn't drink that much he had two beers the whole day so he left my place and uh, about 9 o'clock that night, that night, I get a call. He goes, you'll never guess what happened to me. I said, uh, what happened to you? He said, well, I, I had to take a leak, so I went and stopped at a 7-Eleven. And uh, I was stumbling through the store, and they phoned it in as a DUI. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It, this, it is unbelievable, right? Wow. It was, it's a bad week. <laughs> wow, like that is a week from hell? Yeah, that is a bad. So oh, he, he goes to the uh, doctor that week, and they diagnose that he has MS. And then he has to go to court to get the DUI dismissed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And man. in the meantime, we have broadcasts that we're doing, and he's still getting yelled at. And so I went, I, he didn't want anybody to know what his problems were, but I couldn't take anymore. So I went and uh, told the director, I said, uh, 
can you lighten up on him? I said, he just lost his mom. He's going through a divorce, and he's diagnosed with MS. I feel like a an ass for telling you this because sure. he doesn't want anybody to know. He goes, okay. He lightened up on him for one game and then ramped it up after that. <laughs> wow, like, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Do some of these people just they don't have a heart? Like, what's... No soul. There's there's just a, this black empty void. Man, I so, mean, okay, that's a situation where when it rains it pours. Yes, and yes. it was pouring. It was it, it was I doing mean, more than pouring. He was getting swept away downstream in a, a raging current. Is what uh, was happening to him. So, see, and that, that brings another thing with the union thing. Utah, like maybe it would help if we had unions. Something it, like that would broadcast. You know. Everybody's tried, but unions are are passe, man. They, they, what what a union the what unions used to do is they used to train people, right? And so you could call up like the plumbers union, you know, if 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 you, if you needed a plumber, and you knew that you're going to get a guy that really knew his stuff. And the same thing happened in television and all the all the different trades, right? But it went crazy to a point where they were, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, unions were dipping into the pockets of the uh, workers just as much as the companies were. And uh, there was a lot of corruption, and unions fell out of favor. Uh, They're still around, and if you work for networks, you're still required to join a union if you're doing a lot of work, which isn't bad. I'm not saying it's If bad. you're in L.A. and Vegas, New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it, they, they, they do take care of you, but locally, you know, there's a union, IATSE, but most of those guys are stage crew. Yeah. So um, we do have unions, and they've, they've tried to unionize over the years, but there's always somebody that runs and tells, and then the guy that, <laughs> that kind of organized it ends up unemployed and never... <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's just. It's not a lot of win. No, no, no. There's just. It, it, the, the, apparently, the working conditions aren't bad enough. We need black lung and all that stuff before we're wow. organized. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you media folk, you, you think you got it really hard, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. it's it, it, I don't think uh, Utah will ever have a union. I, I could be wrong, but. In your magic ball, let's say you have a magic ball in front of you. Where do you see media, television, 10, 15 years? I think it will continue on the trend it's doing. I, I can tell you that the, there are things that I'm afraid of. Um, for instance, um, we have online, we have uh, news. Let's talk about news for a minute. We have news curators, right? You have Huffington Post, Flipboard, any number of, of news curators where they go out and bring stories in. And one of the things that, uh, you know, even Facebook and those people and Twitter, they're all, they're all getting into the news yeah. information game, right? And so that, that has to be scary for people who own these big media companies. But if you want to find out what's going on with a breaking story, uh, Twitter's probably your best bet or a couple other things like that, right? Because the guys on on site he's he can only tell 140 characters so he has to get real precise about what's happening and then he tweets out and then you kind of find out information right yeah that's the quickest way to do it 
as opposed to waiting until, oh, five o'clock yeah. <laughs> to see what happened. Yeah. Or we're, we're sending a, a team out there. They'll be with us soon. Or they'll be with us in the morning. Yeah. And it's 10 yeah. o'clock yeah. at it, night. See, see that, that? Yeah, we'll keep you updated. Yeah, we'll yeah. keep you updated. So, so I'm going to wake up eight, nine hours, whatever, from now and get the story? Like, no, no. You, it, like, it, it, that, that, that model is over. And it's been over for a long time. It's just that they don't know it. Um, <laughs> so 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 but but the, the but there is a dangerous thing that's going on underneath those uh those curators right what people like facebook and others google uh to mention a few they they want to give you a better user experience by trying to anticipate what you like to watch or what you like to read and I think that is the most dangerous thing in the world because at that point, you're, it's preaching to the choir. I don't want to read stuff that I'm comfortable with and that I agree with. I want to read everything so I can get the big picture so that I'm informed. Yes. At least that's how I look at life. Now, other people like to be spoon-fed. and So what? <laughs> likes the, he likes the bubble. And no expanding the horizons here. We're not doing no. I believe the world is flat, and you're not going to convince me otherwise. <laughs> we need GMOs. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> Franken food, baby. <laughs> I was I just put a guard I just put a garden box in, in my backyard because I'm paranoid about eating something that's gonna kill me. Mm. But you know, after you get a certain age, you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you like did it this far. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I kid you not, at this TV event I did over the weekend, I heard a grown man defending DDT. And how it's a shame that DDT is not allowed in America and that the Zinka virus and all these other diseases that are going on would not be here if DDT were here. Neither would your child. <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about, man? I, have, have, you, have you guys ever seen the old... Oh, there's there's actual government film where they would drive a truck through the neighborhood and there would be clouds of DDT being sprayed up and down the ah. neighborhoods for uh, mosquito abatement. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and and why we were able to survive that is yeah. beyond me. Uh, it's poison. Yeah. You're just spraying poison right throughout the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we our our food supply is totally poisoned. So I I want to grow my own. <laughs> At least you know, you know, it's gonna taste good, it's gonna be good. It's, well my it's dad ladies, had a garden, you know? you know. He he he'd go out fishing yeah. and he'd clean the fish and then he'd till that into the soil. And then the cats would come at night and he'd throw rocks at them. Bury <laughs> the cat. Get rid of the cat. It's a continual cycle. <laughs> cycle of life thing. And, We've uh, got great fertilized the, the, the soil. Food, oh, the food was fantastic. <laughs> Imagine the tomatoes you can grow in that very spot. <laughs> yeah. The fertilizer that's been right there. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me, though, Sasha, about this event. Yeah. Oh, goodness. It was goodness. very, very uncomfortable. But... I actually, we're going to have one of their speakers call in studio and no. figure this out because everything I've been taught, and I don't want to stand this too long, but I've been taught, you know, GMOs are bad for you, the wild ponies are good for us, and everything else. And these farmers and collective believe 
everything is wrong with the entire world and that you know people that like the environment are bad and all it's just it's so polar everything that i've been taught that we got to talk about it well you know the, the the thing is is that people hate change yeah and that that's 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 the real issue it, it's not that that you know there's a better way to everybody knows that putting a starfish gene or a piece of some starfish dna in wheat might have potential effects that are undesirable i mean we you don't have to be a biology student or a geneticist to figure out oh you're putting parts together i saw frankenstein <laughs> that didn't work out too well <laughs> so um but people don't want to change once they get into the habit once they're used to something they don't want to change yeah and change is really scary for a, a lot of people who because most of the planet likes they, they like predictability yeah but safety. change is good. Hmm. Change is always good. If we didn't change, we'd still be living in caves, right? Damn right. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> so you know, you gotta you gotta evolve over time. Chemicals are not good for you though. No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't DDT in particular. <laughs> <laughs> I would really like to hear this dude's crazy argument. I mean You will. Uh, <laughs> I was, that's uh, the guy you're talking to. Yeah. Yes, I, w- I was I was uh, doing a, a, a project years ago, and they were talking about uh, you know land use up uh, by uh, in uh, over by Deer Deer Creek. This farmer was killing weeds in his irrigation ditch. You know, it would just the, the weeds would, because the fertilizer would come off the fields, oh. fill up the irrigation ditch with fertilizer, and weeds would go crazy. And so we walked up, and he's pouring this stuff and the strong smell of petroleum was everywhere and it's just your my everybody's gag <laughs> reflex kind of kicked in and he's pouring his stuff and he said uh well you know we're not supposed to use this but you know government can't tell me what to do and uh <laughs> he oh, said he said you know we're drinking water out of deer creek and have you ever seen what people are doing down there Hell, you, you, you look at the people on that lake long enough, you'll see them taking a crap into the water off the side of the boat and peeing. And, I, and it's like, yeah, but uh, this stuff is poison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they actually filter our water <laughs> before we drink it, unless you're in Flint. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that way the government yeah. wants you <laughs> that's an altogether different story concerning uh, well oh yeah. man in closing up here do you have advice for young broadcasters people that want to get into media or sport production become a doctor yeah. <laughs> You're Straight going up, down huh? the wrong path. <laughs> become a become a hedge fund manager. Become a surgeon. Any no. Um, <laughs> you know if if you what you really need to know is why you want to be in the media. That that's that's a real big thing. Um, we're all storytellers, in some form or fashion. We are supporting the art of storytelling, and if you fall in love with the technology, just know. That if you want to be on the technological side of it, it's going to change and it's going to be automated. And so 
when you you know engineers used to pull out a soldering iron and and change out components and that seemed really fun up until a point where they made all those components disposable and you just pull a piece out shove another piece in and it's fixed so it, it took no skill to fix a piece of gear well just know that in the technology world it's all going to be automated and you should be interested in code writing and things that support that kind of environment. So screwed. Mm. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it, but if you're a storyteller, you need to know that uh, everything, uh, what is ubiquitous, holds no value. Uh, so, for instance, uh, the Chicago uh, Sun Times uh, gave all their reporters uh, iPhones and they fired all their photographers. Wow. Right. That happened a couple years ago. Wow. There was so, someone here in this market and he was actually on our show once he's an early adapter kind of guy he did a presentation at abc for trying to get them involved with iphones and you know try to slim down the five tool journalism type thing and they threw him out of the building yeah yeah wow. well i you know that that train is pulled out of the station and you can't make it go back you really can't and so what you have to do is you I think media is going to be a uh, niche uh, tribe, you know, just little tribes of interest out on the Internet. And we will either create our own stories for the amusement of ourselves and our friends, or we will uh, find niche markets. But, you know, they're even automating storytelling. Uh, there are bots out there that will write uh, stories, news stories. They'll go out, look at... Uh, what's trending on the internet at all the curator sites, come back and write a story and present it as a package using the curated video or pictures that they found, it also found on the internet. Now, th th that being said, uh, that's a bot, okay? There is more to a story than just the facts. There's the human relations that happen inside that story. And if you're good at telling the story and, and bringing that into, bringing the, the, the human factor into it, I think you'll be successful. So, you, but don't fall in love with what you see today. Fall in love with what you think is possible tomorrow. That would be my advice. Does our democracy, democracy survive with newsrooms out of you know, the picture? I tell you, it, it's... You're already seeing the, you know, you're already seeing the uh, effects of, of people not covering news as news. Um, when you see a breaking, a breaking news banner and it says, Donald Trump just arrived in his plane in San Diego. Now, why is that a breaking story? <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the, yeah, the boy that cried wolf. It's, you see it on CNN all the time, though, breaking news, breaking, I'm like, is this really breaking? Like, breaking news, you expect some kind of explosion happened right here. I, something it, big, you know? I, I want body counts or, or something. No, I actually I don't want body counts. But I want... <laughs> Gosh, look at Look at him. What kind of... <laughs> it's got two sides to him, man. No, no but, I, I, you know, the, I, I, covered, I covered Columbine for ABC News. And uh, I was there for a couple days. And... The story there was not that the story had many layers to it. And it wasn't just going out and getting, 
you know, file footage and saying, hey, a shooting took place. There was multiple layers of story going on in that in that particular incident. And the fact that these kids were making bombs in their uh, homes without the parents knowing about it. Uh, I don't know about the way you're raised, but anything foreign that came into my house, if I didn't have a good explanation, there was going to be a price to be paid, right? Um, the, the other parents had warned the, the uh, police that these kids were dangerous and making threats. Um, the master keys to the school had been stolen and yep. they were never replaced. I mean, there was so many different layers of what was going on and a, a robot can't really tell that story. Yeah. So, um, and then on top of all that was the human factor. It was probably the, the, the saddest moment of journalism I ever covered because there was so many grieving people at that one spot. Did you cry? Uh, it, you know, I, I, I did. Yeah. I did. I mean, because it, and um, when, when you cover stories like that, um, you don't want to be there sometimes. I, I know that, see, I, that's why I'm not a good journalist. I don't want to be in somebody's face. <laughs> when, hey, here, here's the laziest question in journalism. Uh, you just lost your wife and child. How does it feel? Yeah. Wow. That's the laziest, laziest yeah. question in journalism. Um, and I've been in situations where we've had to be around people like that at a very bad time in their life. And sometimes the storytelling doesn't need that moment in order to tell the story, right? You don't need to see the guy grieving over his child's body in order to know that it's a bad thing. But what we do need to have is a discussion on how we stop it. And so far, there has not been any kind of good conversation going on on how to stop this and why it's happening. So keep telling stories. We, we will always need stories. And I think that, you know, that was kind of a dark thing to end on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was inspirational. But, so. but, <laughs> but the... the it puts things in perspective, though. Well, yeah, it does, it does right. because it, you, it, when you tell a story and you're in, in the media, um, whether you're telling a, a sports story or a human interest story or you're telling a funny story, it doesn't matter. Stories are stories. People like it all. And so there's always human beings behind those storylines, and you have to keep that in mind. And there's a reason why people don't like the media. It's because it's a mirror. We're nothing but mirrors. Yeah. of society and sometimes they don't like what they see in the mirror um so you know you have to be able to take that heat if you want to get into this business i like it that's the best way i've heard that explained too a mirror like, yeah we're that's, we're, that's we're a, a good way to put it so not a window no we're a mirror we're holding up everybody's reflection and people you know, they say that the camera puts on 10 pounds. Yeah. The mirror takes off 10 pounds. <laughs> I, I, I swear, I, because think about it. You've seen people walk down the street, and they actually got up and put on this outfit, and it totally doesn't work, right? <laughs> I know. I, it's like, so, <laughs> you, you are not dressing age appropriate. <laughs> Uh, gender appropriate or any other, and you think you look hot. 
<laughs> Muffin top. Yeah, yep. that's his. Uh, that's the dress for the I'm day, just right there. Sexy. <laughs> the mirror takes off ten pounds. Mm. <laughs> like we are gonna film from waist up. We're not going to film. Yeah, we're not filming this other region, and uh, yeah, it never happened. Yeah, my wife and I talk about that all the time. It's like, uh, what are they wearing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, that's my dating demographic. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's it's not. It's it, if I'm at a mall. It has nothing to do with body type. <laughs> oh man! If Sasha worked at Valley Fair, I tell you what, man. <laughs> All one has to do is go on to that website, the people of, at Walmart or whatever that is, and you'll know what exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not even gonna say nothing. <laughs> Phil Isom, I really appreciate you stopping by here on OUR. Thank you so much. Oh, man, thanks for having me. It was, it was fun. Wayne Thompson, Jr., you're my hero and inspiration in this world of media. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to set your bar higher than me. <laughs> La-dee-da, la-dee-da. I see trees of green, red roses, too. I see them bloom for me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful